Greetings and welcome to Stamper Cinema. Thank you very much for tuning in. I keep saying tuning in. You're, nobody's turning in. You're literally intentionally downloading this. But thank you for downloading another episode of Stamper Cinema. It is always greatly appreciated. As always, I am your host. My name is Andrew. And tonight we are continuing along our year-long adventure tackling the Star Wars saga. So joining once again to help me get through it is my buddy, John Rowe. How's it going, John? It's great. It's pretty good. It wasn't too bad. We got a little rain in Austin. I've returned. You have. And you also took like a little pause. It almost felt like you were like debating, like, how am I doing? Like you almost had like an existential crisis, it appeared. Well, there's been uh, some crisis going on in the world that I don't think is great mm-hmm. right now, but I don't really, you know, want to dive deep into that. This is about movies more than anything else. So. Yeah, this is supposed to be a positive. Yeah. 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 So it was just kind of like, well, I mean, I'm doing all right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was that was perhaps the pause. But um, I guess just on that note, um, I just hope that there's some sort of peace in the Middle East at yeah. some point in time and uh, the safety of any individual out there. All I can do is send my best wishes to anybody that that's part. So that's all I'd say on the issue going on. No, I, and I think that's perfect. Um, yeah. There's nothing else I have to add about that. I think we're in, in agreement that at the end of the day, you know, um, yeah, we want, we want everybody to be happy. We want everybody to be safe. So it's it's an ugly, ugly world out there. And yeah, so our hearts go out to those that are suffering and we we want nothing but the best for everybody. Yep. You know what else has turned into an ugly world? In Star Wars, you know, Ooh. like it's, it's gotten to a part where like droids are torturing droids in, mm-hmm. you know, like it went from like they were kind of fighting and all of a sudden the droids weren't allowed into bars. And now droids are telling droids what to do and torturing each other. So They're like branding each other. It's really yeah. weird. Really I weird. mean, yeah, the restraint of restrictive bolts has always been there. You know, I mean, R2 was able to trick Luke out of taking it off him and that's mm-hmm. how he got away. So I get that, but it, times have gotten tougher on Tatooine since Luke was last there. So, and that's where this story picks up. So I think that might be a good place to pick up unless you had, you want to start with the crawl or anything. Well, I think, I, I think the one thing that I forgot to mention is even the star Wars film that we're talking about, where I mentioned that we're talking about star Wars, but I didn't even say which film, Oh, which one are we? We're return of the Jedi. We're on return of the Jedi. We're on episode six. Episode six. That's true. Yep. The last one, the trilogy. Well, Return of the Jedi, I think I mentioned before, was one of my favorite films when I was growing up. Uh, It has a lot of cool dynamics to it. It's more of an action movie than any of the others, which uh, plays the kind of, I think, maybe some of the younger viewers is not as deep as Empire Strikes Back is or wasn't as quite cutting edge as A New Hope was, sorry, Star Wars was. But uh, I do think that there will be a lot of things we could talk positively about the movie and uh, kind of what it brought to cinema and kind of uh, the bar it set. I mean, yeah, we could do that. We can also talk about how we we took that. Uh, yeah. You know what? We'll we'll get into that. I, I've got I've got many, many things that are on my mind when I when I watch this, because like you, I mean, as a kid, I loved it. I loved it. This was among among my 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 three favorite Star Wars films, but 
But anyway, this is that's okay. We're gonna we're we're gonna first begin with the positives, and then I'll, then we'll get into the criticisms. But before we get into any of that, Luke Skywalker has returned to his home planet of Tatooine in an attempt to rescue his friend Han Solo from the clutches of the vile gangster Jabba the Hutt. Little does Luke know that the Galactic Empire has secretly begun constructing on a new armored space station even more powerful than the first dreaded Death Star. When completed, this ultimate weapon will spell certain doom for the small band of rebels struggling to restore freedom to the galaxy. Yep. And then that's it. So what are your thoughts? What, what, what are your initial thoughts on the crawl? I mean, it just... I mean, it says where Luke's at. It says what the Empire, yeah. You know, so it establishes his character and what he's doing. And then it says what the main journey of the mission is going to be about, the story is going to be about. And that's mm-hmm. the Death Star and the new construction of it, which we saw the old Death Star destroy Alderaan. So if this one's even more powerful, more powerful, like it's something that should be stopped against. You know? Yeah. So um, now the call's good. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing crazy about it, but no, I, I mean, there's a, I mean, it, right after the crawl, it it goes to Vader going to the Death Star, right? Yes. So one of the things I guess I think is cooler is like because you get that part, but then later you get the Emperor showing up, and then you know how much different the scenes have changed. Like they're very similar, but the music's played louder, or there's more people and grandioso when the Emperor shows. But I, I kind of like those. Um, kind of where it sets up and how it shows the Death Star, but in between that you have Tatooine, which is to me was kind of like the first act of this movie. So um, maybe those just kind of put it in to where like, all right, this is where the story is going with the good guys, and then this is what's going on with the bad guys. They're making the Death Star. For sure. Now, what I love, because you just mentioned like the first time, like, like the first thing we see is Darth Vader, right? That whole scene is really about him painting the picture of the emperor, right? Like doubling our efforts. We got to get this Death Star completed. Because until now, in at least the original trilogy, we hadn't seen the emperor at all other than a short little hologram. And so when this movie came out, and we, until this point, we had nothing to believe other than that Darth Vader was the head honcho. He was top of the, the food chain, right? And you see immediately... In this scene that, oh shit, the Emperor's coming. This guy's even scarier than Darth Vader. Like stakes are raised because we, and Darth Vader says he's not even as, he's even less forgiving as I am. Or what, I forget the, the terminology. And we already know that Vader isn't forgiving. You know, like he, he will choke hold and kill anybody. Yeah. Like at whim. And this guy is even less tolerable. Oh shit, this is not good whoever this guy is. So they, they do a really good job of a form of exposition told in an interesting way that, all right, well, you think I was, you think I'm fucking horrible. Just wait till you meet this guy. So that was good. I think that was a good little three minute scene. And you can see the guy like, kind of like shitting himself because he's almost kind of standing up to Vader. Like, well, you know, we're working as hard as we can, you know, mm-hmm. like meanwhile, he already knows the mass carnage that Darth Vader is responsible for, but he's like, well, what, you know, is Vader really going to try to like take me out? Like we're working as hard as we can. I'm the guy. And then he's like, well, by the way, you know, the emperor is coming. Oh, 
then we better double our efforts. We, we, yeah. we have to work even harder. Oh shit. You know, this, yeah. this guy doesn't mess around. He took down an entire, you know, um, Senate, you know, he's taken down everything, you know? So yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna have to fix our shit. So that was, that was good. That was a good, good intro before we transitioned back onto Tatooine where we've got R2D2 and C3PO making their way to Jabba's palace, which was where we know that Han Solo is being being housed or being held as artwork, if you will, yeah. for for Jabba's, uh, Jabba's favorite piece mm-hmm. of art. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what I got from Jabba's palace was the characters in the story are in the same place that they were at the end of the last one. The story kind of picks up, but it's the same characters, but they're older and they're more prepared. And this time they win. Maybe it's because job is in charge and Vader's in charge, but all everybody else is the same. Where you know you have Luke trying to show up late to save the day. He does that a lot. He shows up late a lot. Yeah, man, school's tough. <laughs> it's a big galaxy. <laughs> yeah, it's a big galaxy. He does because you know going forward in the Mandalorian, he kind of shows up a bit late, right? Mm-hmm. But and then uh, even later on in this movie, he's like, "You can count me in too." Like when they're already yeah. establishing everything, he's always show- he shows up late back to Dagobah and job. I mean, Yoda's already done. Like he's always showing late. He shows up late to the Ewok party. The Ewok party, yeah, he's like, the, he's the last guy to come in. Yeah, <laughs> that would be a fun like drinking game. Every time Luke arrives late, you have to yeah. have you have to you have to down a beer. Yeah, if he's like the last one to run into the ship or something, yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but with Tatooine, um, I just I, the way I saw it was just like the the characters who. I guess in whatever way failed at Cloud City, they achieved. Like the, the team came together and now they finally won one. So right. in this climactic event where you just got told that the big bad's gonna show up, the team, you know, the band just got back together again. And hopefully they're better than ever, right? I mean, well, uh, first they have to survive Jabba's palace and then the other the other obstacles that befall them along that journey before they even are able to move on. Yeah. Well, are there um, anything else you'd like to say about Jabba's Palace? Or I have a lot of things I want to say about Jabba's Palace, but I want right now. I, I, I my, I don't, and I don't. I, I, you think that after eight movies, we'd have a simple template on how we how we get through these? But no, no, this is just all conversational. I mean, just talking about the plot, I kind of looked at the end of. Jabba's palette as the end of act one. And it is. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. movie literally has a very, very simple act structure when you really kind of like break down the different worlds and the different things that are essentially going on. Right. I mean, yes, you can also, again, I apologize. I feel like I'm beating a dead horse. You can also look at the five act structure, but if you just keep it down to a simple three act structure, it's really easy mm-hmm. to to look at this movie in that simple way. Right. Everything on Tatooine. That's your act one. Simple enough. Piece of cake. Yeah. Good story. But the year act two is everything leading to Lando Calrissian and like uh, the rebellion getting there and everything, right? I mean, that like the. I couldn't decide if I wanted to put it whenever they're flying to Endor or really when Luke goes to Vader. Because like when Luke goes to Vader is really when the shift of the battle started. So I kind of. I don't know. I think kind of around indoors whenever 
Well, Act Two ends, and- you know, and you can always make a case if if it's a compelling argument. I always felt that when when Vader takes Luke to the Emperor, that was the end of Act Two. That's basically all right. Now he's in that deep. All right, how is he going to get out of this abyss? And then you've got the, the final, the final kind of everything that happens after that. Yeah, the culmination of all the events of the entire mm-hmm. trilogy. Right. So yeah, that's where I put two, and then yeah, once again, I guess the culmination of all the events of the entire I mean, trilogy. We're, we're, yeah, we're essentially right. on, the, on the same page there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a nice little party on indoor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I thought it was good. I mean, talking about trilogies, not a, every movie gets it right. I thought this movie does get it right. Um, I think we see a cooler, more experienced Luke uh, wearing a black suit with a green mm-hmm. lightsaber. Um, so I just, yeah, thought it um, like like the end of the movie, like Return of the Jedi. I think it's a good third piece of a trilogy and it is it's literally quite simply a, a third piece all the all the hard work was really done in the first and the second piece of the trilogy i would say and this one where in the original star wars were introduced to a new world right i mean that's what's going on like all right hey this is the world that we're in these are our stakes we're going to introduce you to our, our cast of characters and this is this is our world this is what it's going to be the second film we're going to punish the good guys, but we're also going to make the film very rich by understanding more about who these people are as people, right? You're going to develop them and you're going to find their nuances within their own relationships. What is going to go on? How's everything going to transpire between maybe Han and Leia? What does it mean for Luke to actually become a Jedi? Who is Darth Vader as more than just a guy in you know, a black costume, you know, we're going to learn more. We're going to find out who these people are. We're going to expand the world by introducing a few other characters. And then the, the third one is, all right, we've laid all the foundation. Now this movie is, we're going to tie up a couple loose ends, but this is just going to be an action sequence. And that's what this movie quite frankly is. It's, it's, the, the, the actors have less to do in terms of developing their own characters in this film, right? I mean, this is more about a battle, you know? I mean, that that's the, it tells you return of the Jedi, right? So the Jedi is returning, but it's also, it's also like the return of the rebellion in a sense of what this one is like, yeah, the empire strikes back and now it's the, the rebellion's counterpunch is what this movie is because it's one action sequence after a na- another action sequence. So, you don't really get a ton of intimate moments between characters in the same way anyway that you get it within Empire Strikes Back. That's not to say that you don't have intimate moments, but this movie is less story and more action, at least in my own interpretation of how when I watch this movie, I don't feel the same emotional weight I mean, there's a great opportunity and there, there are a couple of really beautiful moments in the film, like the basketball a couple. Like, there are a couple of beautiful moments in the film, you know, and quite frankly, I find the the death of Yoda, albeit extremely sad, one of the most fulfilling moments of this film because there's actual weight. There's actually something going on within this moment and selfishly. 
I'm blown away by the acting of a Muppet, you know, <laughs> like the, the death of a Muppet is heartbreaking. And I'm like, that's, that's not even real. That's not computer. That's not, that's, that's, that's someone's hand in there moving shit around. And you've got Frank Oz kind of withering away, but it's beautiful. And you totally, at least me, I totally bought that moment. Never mind the fact that if you pull yourself away from it, the absurdity of like you're you're just watching you're just watching someone's hand in a fucking puppet you know die and it's it's really really well executed and the the stakes are very good and you've got the story essentially learning a little bit more about Yoda but also that there's another that Luke has a sibling and that is as far as I'm concerned that's that's the best scene of this movie yes the action sequences are fun but I'm, I've always, within this, this trilogy, I've always been more interested in the relationships. I've always been more interested in who these people are and how that affects them. It's the, 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 the how and the why this affects them versus the reaction to this, right? I mean, the, the battling, that's lovely. I mean, you've got over 900 plus different like special effects situations that ILM put together for this movie and it's beautiful. It's beautiful in that respect. But I've always found that the, this, this entire franchise has always been at its best by capturing humanity. Yeah. I always felt like Yoda was waiting to die to tell Luke that Vader was his father. And so when Luke tells him, he finally realizes he knows the secret, Mm -hmm. but then Luke also has a conversation with, you know, Obi-Wan, you kind of find out that the, the Jedi's, once again, they're not monks. They're from a certain point of view. Yeah, from a certain point of view. You told yeah. me my dad was dead, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, come on, that's not the truth, you know? Yeah, I don't think that line would ever work in my household if if I ever just said, well, you know, from a certain point of view. Yeah. Like, no, that would never, yeah. you know, like, because that, that's, that's an absurd line, but it's also perfect and it completely encompasses jedi as a whole which is eh, we give you a little bit we we operate you know we're not we're not white we're not black that we operate in very much levels of gray Mm -hmm. some of those things with like jabba's palace and the rescue of han it seems like luke probably could have just gone in there with a lightsaber and just taken them all out so i guess he was trying to be diplomatic but it, it just i always felt like he just he could have just taken them all out if he really wanted to. Yeah. Um, like when I analyze all of that, you, you still have he's not he's 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 not a Jedi. You know, he's not a full Jedi yet. He's not completely there. He's close. I thought I thought he had to confront Vader. And he did confront Vader. Yeah, but even with his own Wait, like because he comes in there, he like strolls all in casually to to Java's palace, right? And he like uses uh, the force, yeah. Uses the force, and he comes in and tries bam. to use his mind against Java. Doesn't necessarily work, mm-hmm. and he he he's not mindful of his surroundings. So that's one thing that we that we learn in the prequels, right? Like be mindful of your surroundings. He wasn't aware of what he was standing on. He didn't listen to his droid that says, you know, Master Luke, you're standing on arrogance right he's still not perfect there he falls into the pit right and what does he try to do he tries to escape 
He he's also a Jedi. He could force, you know, Jedi shit those, those guys and say, "You will open this gate." You know, he he, he oh, has. That would, yeah, that would have been good. He could have done that. He still he's still inexperienced. He still operates emotionally. He's not the the, the completed article. He's not. Mm-hmm. He's getting close though, right? Like he's getting he's close. close. He's he close. Did better. They did better than they did on Cloud City. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. I think, and I don't know if this is a philosophical question we want to have now or have a question that we want to have later, but Return of the Jedi, as far as I'm concerned, is not the Jedi are back in the way of Luke. It, the Return of the Jedi is the Jedi's Anakin, and, Je- and Anakin is the return. He comes back at the end. His, his redemption arc is complete because I don't believe that when it's Return of the Jedi, Luke Skywalker, we 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 had an Empire Strikes Back. He was there. He survived at the end of Empire Strikes Back. He's the guy that we're that we're focusing on this way. And if you're looking, well, the Return of the Jedi as an ideology, well, you don't necessarily get that either, in, in the sense of that this ideology. So, and whether you whether you're on the same page or you know if this is like I said a conversation we want to have later or like fuck it let's get into it now I I look at Return of the Jedi as the return of Anakin. And- I love it. I think we should go into it because we we have talked about the the name thematically of each film and sometimes you've underplayed what the name of the film is. I think you've really struck to the heart. Of the, I had never thought of it that way, but it makes total sense to me that. When Anakin, that is the return of the Jedi mm-hmm. and the end of his story arc. Because in the future, I think we are going to go on into the Skywalker. You know, they're not going to be Jedi's or Sith, or maybe there will be still Jedi's and Sith. But the Skywalker is who's Rey, and you know, right what, where I think that story is going, and that's going to be off the teachings of Luke. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, no, um, if you have more ideas, I'd be really happy to hear about them or just discuss them. No, it, it's it's just something that I've thought about. And yeah, I, I give a lot of shit to The Phantom Menace uh, because from a title perspective, because I uh, that means nothing to me. I, 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 if you say The Phantom Menace is Palpatine, okay, all right. I don't think it's a strong title. It doesn't it doesn't really work. Now, the original title of this film wasn't The Return of the Jedi. It was The Revenge of the Jedi. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was the Revenge of the Jedi, yeah. which I don't George know. Lucas, George Lucas didn't, he said Jedi didn't do revenge. Yeah, that, that it doesn't make sense. And which Jedi is revenging and what are they revenging against? And so it didn't necessarily work in, in any capacity when you just look at, well, there's only there's only one Jedi alive, and that's, that's Yoda. Yoda is the only living Jedi at this point. Or Anakin, who is feeling conflicted. Right. Now, Uh, in the beginning, so you've got Vader, who's a Sith, right? And you've got mm -hmm. the Emperor, who's a Sith. There's Mm -hmm. only one Jedi, right? Because Yoda makes it abundantly clear that Luke is not a Jedi yet. He's yeah. like, well, I'm a Jedi. He's like, <laughs> he, he like even chuckles. He's like, no, you have to, you have to confront Vader. You know, it's like you're yeah. not a Jedi. So the return of the Jedi, like, well, what's it returning against? There's already at the beginning, there's already an existing Jedi. So what what does what does it really mean? You know, so from a title perspective, are they're they're probably on a superficial way, probably referring to Luke Skywalker, the return of the Jedi in the, in the term of a, the Jedi are back. They're going to 
blah, 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 blah. But that doesn't, you never really, if that's what it's about, it doesn't pay off from the perspective of the title because they're, the galaxy doesn't know necessarily about the Jedi in, in, in a sense of the way that the, the, the heroes of this movie ending the Empire aren't the Jedi. They, well, we, we it's, learned it's, from Han, right? Like he, he didn't believe in the Jedi. Correct. Yeah, so, so if you're believing that the Jedi like won, there's no payoff because the, who who saves it? But Wedge, Lando Calrissian, and Han Solo, and ain't none of them have the Force. And it's also and, like Return of the Jedi. It's not like Jedi's. Like uh, I guess it's like I feel like a singular like one Jedi returned. Yeah, Return of the Jedi. Yeah. So and, and Anakin was a Jedi. And Anakin is that Jedi. So Return of the Jedi, at least in my interpretation, it ain't Luke, and it ain't Return of the Jedi as an ideology. It's Return the that Anakin has had his return back. You kind of triggered and, in my and mind. People may uh, be listening to this, and be like, "Yeah, no shit, that's exactly what it's about." Um, <laughs> yeah. But a lot of people also might think that it's Luke's journey and Luke, Luke just became a Jedi. So therefore the Jedi have not returned uh, and they're going to be taking power and all, all things will be good in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um, but you kind of triggered some of my mind about Lucas having to tell the, the company like, no, we got to do this name. And I feel like there's a lot of that's come up in cinema a lot where just directors, producers, and people have had uh, arguments over just naming rights and um lucas won that one but i don't know if you have any uh stories off your top of your head you might know funny ones or times when naming rights happen any anecdotal stories i don't have anything prepared i mean through this conversation i might be able to come up with something but i don't have anything you know like i mean this conversation is really organic and natural and i'm in the the myriad of notes that I have prepared, that that's something that I haven't. Doesn't mean that I'm not. I'm I'm, I'm certainly up mm. for it, but it might take me a little while okay. to, to get there. Just think about it a little bit. Yeah, marinade, 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 right. marinade. You know, it becomes mm-hmm. natural. Yeah, but um, but yeah. I mean, moving past. Uh, well, is there anything else you'd want to say about Return of the Jedi and the naming, or um, no, no, not necessarily in the naming. I don't have a problem with the title. I think Return of the Jedi is far more superior to revenge of the jedi so i'm 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 good with it i yeah no i I i think that's great i think i think i think this is a good film i think it's a good film and that's where i'm gonna leave it before i get into like my my final overall thoughts but yeah no this is it's a fun ride it's a good movie I've certainly enjoyed it the the many times that I, I've seen it, but yeah, I've got I've got other now that I've seen it in a different in a different point like stage of life for myself. I look at it a little bit differently. I look at it a little bit differently from the theatrical version to the the version that now exists online because they're two entirely different films. But by and large. Apart from the uh, the crimes against humanity that that occur in the in the in the in the new edits, this is a good. This is a really really enjoyable action completion. So when you look at when you look at trilogies, I'd be hard pressed to think of a 
better final conclusion for a trilogy. I'd be very hard pressed. I'm sure there are some that exist, but off the top of my head, I don't know if I can think just like willy nilly boom. Cause Godfather three ain't better. Um, back to well, the well, another thing that's thing is like when you put in like the time period and what it was going against and when you bring up Godfather, Dawson's like, well, Coppola and Lucas were hanging out back in the old days, you know, I could only imagine them like talking about like, wouldn't it be cool if we could make a trilogy? Um, but yeah, I think, it, I think it's just hard because in some ways I'm sure you do want to end a trilogy on a good note and right. a happy note, which doesn't always resonate or make Especially it. Especially you know, with the, the last movie being such a bummer in for, for many people, you know, that movie was such a downer. You're, you don't want to do you know, Empire Strikes Back and then finish it with Godfather 2. You know, on another like sour yeah. note. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, maybe... But I've always been, you know, you know, I'm probably one of the nicer George R. R. Martin fans. Like I'm giving him time for the books, but I want a completion of the story. So sometimes you can criticize something, but at least the story's completed. Like at yeah. least you get the end of it. So I'd appreciate that. Um, I was kind of trying to figure out any other cast or people who were brought into this film that weren't a part of the last film. Um, there's a henchman uh, by. Uh, Jabba's guy, not a henchman. He's he's just Jabba's like right hand man. You know who I'm talking about? Uh, Bib Fortuna. That's the dude. Yeah. But that guy was like, man, that guy seems like a good actor, and his name's like Michael Carter. See, like he's been in some stuff. Yeah, I didn't know his name. His voice reminds me of the the cousin, and uh, I can't believe I forgot his name. And Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. He's like. Like lie a spoon, cousin. You know, like that guy. Oh, like gotcha. Michael Wincott, I think. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the the correct name. Also in the crow. In the crow, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's also um in Three Musketeers. Yeah. He had like so Bib Fortuna has like that same kind of voice to it, just that yeah. raspy kind of like English accent. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of that red haired dude who was in like uh the early seasons of like uh what was it blues uh nypd blues and stuff like that um, no, i never ever saw nypd blue well he's only in the first season he got out but um okay. <laughs> CS, he was in one of the csis but you know he's just oh man i'll have to look him up later but he just talks like this and if this mm-hmm. was cool then you would be this you know yeah i just uh what about like David Caruso? That's like the, the dude. That's the okay. name of the dude. That's the guy. <laughs> it's David yeah, Caruso. CSI Miami. Yeah. But I always, for some reason, when I hear David Caruso, I think serial killer, everybody, it's David Koresh, which really enough, when I, David Caruso, David Koresh, similar enough in name, I kind of, uh, like, similar uh, in geography to you. Yeah. Well, one, Waco. Group, yeah. Or, yeah, Waco. Not yeah. I don't go to Waco. I don't know if you know that about me. Not, but no. um, like any self-respect in Austin, I ain't, ain't going to know Waco. No, I don't want to go to Waco, man. <laughs> we uh, and growing up in Pflugerville, we actually played him in the playoffs and then knocked us out a few times. Oh. Not me personally. I wasn't on those teams, but there was about a two or three years in a row. They knocked us out first first round of the playoffs for Rover Swaco. So yeah, we used to have these nice Wuck Faco shirts because <laughs> like uh, PF for Fluggerville, PF mm-hmm. and uh yeah. So yeah, no, I'm not down with Waco or any <laughs> or anything they're putting down. 
George's is a terrible place to get hamburgers. Anybody in Waco knows that joke. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's basically like the tattoo win of Texas. <laughs> Let me put it that way. Yeah. Waco is like the tattoo win of Texas. <laughs> this is Although pretty- I might think that same way about Amarillo. Yeah. Anything west of Austin, I just look at as New Mexico almost at this point. Mm-hmm. It's uh, like you got a nice, pretty hill country drive for a few hours, like just driving in the BK area, you get the feeling of it. But then you get to that desert and you can drive for a day yeah. and just looking into the sun. And yeah. that's not fun. <laughs> there's, there's just nothing but the smell of like methane gas coming from one direction or... Um, you know, cow patties coming from the other direction. <laughs> but, uh, West Texas, I prefer East Texas over West Texas, but um, mm. I prefer Central Texas above all. I'm with you, but either way, you're making me a little homesick. Yeah. <laughs> well, you'll have to come see me sometime. All right. We're going to. You want to talk more about the movie? Well, let's talk a little bit about the movie. This is all well and good. I enjoy this, but. All right. It's so, good. Yeah. So, key scenes, we talked a little bit about Jabba's Palace. Um, well, Yoda, you know, Yoda. the Yoda scene comes right after that. Well, uh, he does the for that. Sure. I mean, Han's vision comes back. And mm-hmm. they do establish that they would be digested over a thousand years. Mm-hmm. So it does make sense that Boba Fett could somehow escape because, he, you know, it's not like you would die immediately. You know? Yeah, I mean, that's like the You're worst kept secret ever. Yeah, like, I don't think there's, if you were a fan of Boba Fett when this movie came out and you saw that he died, ain't, I don't think any of us really believe, like, no, 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 like, Boba Fett's getting out. He's getting out. I mean, it's a thousand years. He's getting out one um, way or another. And there were a myriad of books. I think that's the second time I've used myriad in this episode. Well, that would be the third. But I think there have been, like, numerous novels where... They talk about Boba Fett getting out of the Sarlacc. Well, I can see why haters would be similar to like Darth Maul or whatever. It's like, man, you just have, you establish this cool bounty hunter character in the second one. And you just kill him off in the third one, mm-hmm. you know? But I think what, as we're talking about is that there wasn't enough time. Mm-hmm. I was just, as you were talking, like, I was like, well, what could you cut from the movie? Even action wise, it's like the speeder scene. Like you, you could cut that. Yes. I mean, I guess you can make the the battle of indoor a little less, but um, I don't know how much more you could cut to establish more more of the characters. Yeah, because I mean, this movie is still over two hours long, and I mean, it's a it's a tight two hours. It's a very very tight. There's very little wasted space, but it's literally one action sequence after another. I guess I think the worst scene of the re-releases is the scene where at Jabba's Palace where the girl's singing. Yeah, the musical number. Yeah. And that's an extension. Uh, I guess what they're trying to show is basically that entire scene, they're trying to show that there's going to be a pit for Luke to fall in later. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's what they're trying to establish. They're kind of showing little court things, but there's dancers. And so in the original one, they didn't have that. So they actually cut it down. Mm-hmm. And then for whatever reason, they were like, you know what? This builds, this builds to the story. <laughs> The singing, well, I guess if you're going to add some to it, they should have added more other scenes. They just probably don't have the actors on tape actually given the character dialogue and stuff like that. Yeah, so if we're talking specifically about the special edition versus the 1983, right? I mean, they add a few minutes just for that musical number. And I feel 
the reason why they added that is the fact that George Lucas was working on a new, a new trilogy and he wanted to test some new technology with some computer generated imagery, right? He wanted, he wanted, he wanted to create some completely brand new organic creatures and do something kind of fun. But he also was a little bit older. He now had kids in the fold, or at least his uh, intentions were a little bit different. Well, now this is gonna be a little bit more family, a little bit more family oriented. So he literally pandered to kids that would eat up something because there were, when this film originally came out, there were some of the critiques about it was this movie is not necessarily for the kids. You know, there, there's a lot of, you know, you, you see a monster get eaten. You, you see somebody get thrown down a shaft. You, you see a lot of, you see a lot of, a lot of death to not just people in stormtrooper costumes, right? You, you saw different, different forms of carnage. So in a way to kind of lighten, lighten the mood, uh, we'll just have, we'll, we'll create some new little aliens completely digitally and artificially, and we're going to give them a music number and it'll be fun. It'll be kind of quirky. And I'm going to do that same technology two years later and introduce the character like Watto and all these other characters that they had on, on Tatooine that were again, very kid centric. And so the, the tone changed a little bit with from 1983 to 1987 with, all right, who am I now making these films for? I'm no longer making them for people like myself as a, a, a postgraduate college student trying to be a little like artsy because I'm hanging out with Coppola and Scorsese and Brian De Palma. But now, now I'm a dad and I want to create a movie that's going to appeal to their sensitivities and things that they might be interested in. So he changed it up a little bit, at least. And I'm not claiming that I, that I know it's just my own interpretation of, of the facts as I see them, which aren't based on anything other than just things that piss me off as I've gotten <laughs> older, which it was a movie that I saw at three, four five years old. And I loved it. And the fact that a monster got chewed in half or the fact that one of my heroes in Jabba or rather my heroes in Yoda dies, or I see Jabba the Hutt strangled, or I see bad guy thrown over like, you know, a, uh, a, a really? shaft, you know, like that didn't, that didn't bother me. You know, I, even at a young age, I was able to wrap my head around, okay, well, these are, these are bad things bad things get punished. I didn't necessarily need to be pandered with a, a Jim Henson musical number, but minus the Jim Henson styling, we're just going to now do it as a, as a cartoon. So that whole scene is problematic and it, it takes out the entire rhythm of everything that we, that we're seeing until then. And you know what, if you want to do a musical number, fine, do a musical number, but that was over. The best part of that musical number is that they were able to bring back the actress that played, I can't believe I ever got her name, but the the one that ends up getting eaten, eaten by by the Rancor. They brought her back? They brought her back. And it was like 16 years later. Yeah. And she... That's really cool. She didn't look any different. She's 16 years older, incredible shape. And you know they brought the same, back, the same actress back. And that's cool. That is yeah, something that should be celebrated. That's respect. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. You want to talk about respect in the industry at all? You got any thoughts on that of uh, bringing back people 
paying homage. I mean, for instance, Billy D. Williams got brought back, or you know, they. I think Star Wars does a good job in the future of bringing the actors in, whether they like it or not. But and there's also other films where people could do a good job playing homage or yeah, ones we, we appreciate. I think there's definitely something to be said. Obviously, you brought back all the principal players, right? So Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, uh, James Earl Jones, Anthony Daniels, Billy D. Williams, Kenny Baker, you know, all of those. But an unsung, an unsung actor that was brought back that I really want to talk about. And I don't know if it's yet or if I want to save it for something later on. I think I might want to save it later on, but I'm just going to mention major shout out to David Prowls, who is the the actual body, not when Darth Vader takes his mask off because that's uh, Sebastian Shaw, but David Prowls, who's the physical body of Darth Vader. We talk about everybody in this series. We don't really ever talk about David Prowls, but what he does in this movie in the Darth Vader costume can't be. Um, well, I feel like it's like yeah. a throwback. It's like a throwback to an olden age of the silver screen where you had to be more uh, transparent with your actions. Like your mm-hmm. actions have to speak larger than your words and you just be able to put subtitles down. Yeah. He has no, he had, I mean, even in the last movie when he had no idea that, you know, Darth Vader was Luke's father. You know, he, right. he, he portrayed the scene the way, and I, I think as a, uh, I don't want to just limit to like a physical actor or something along those lines, but um, he deserves a lot of credit for, you know, the direction he was given and how he portrayed it. Is that, is that about what you're kind of yeah, going without with? without a doubt. And what I really wanted to tackle, and we, hopefully we'll get into it a little bit later and... Yeah, there. Yeah, we'll we'll get into it eh, probably within the next ten to fifteen minutes. But the the scene where essentially the the emperor is giving it to Luke, and and Darth Vader is you you literally see. And again, we've got six hours of history where Darth Vader is extremely menacing and he towers over everybody and he's incredibly intimidating. The mask doesn't change. Nothing changes. Mm-hmm. But you just the way just seeing this mask look at the emperor, seeing the mask look at Luke, and just even just even like way he's holding his shoulders versus his body, you really actually get the sense of struggle that he's that he's dealing with. And this is an actor that you can't see his face. You don't get his voice. You don't get anything other than a fucking mask. And he kills it. He kills that emotional weight of somebody that is dealing with this internal struggle. And now I'm going to say it. And the Disney uh, or the George Lucas new like additions blow it by adding the no moment that never needed to be in there because there's not a single person in the audience that doesn't already know what's going on because David Prowse kills it. He's so yeah. good and he delivers that so perfectly. And you know that he has this conflict. He, the, if I don't do something, my kid's going to die. If I don't do something, you know, or, or it's either a, I let my kid die or B, you know, I kill, kill my mentor, you know, and that struggle that he deals with, he's able to completely execute it without, without his own face, without his own voice. You mm-hmm. know, it's just, he he's, he, he he's a mime, you know, without, he's a mime without a face and you totally buy it. 
when I feel like also it may, it just makes it more impactful. Cause like when you just have the, no, it's like, he's dying, you mm-hmm. know, but then he just keeps living on and Luke struggles through it's, he didn't make the choice because he thought he might die or something along those lines. He just did to save his son. I'm with you with, the, without the visuals, look at the shoulders. I like that. That was your, one of your best comments. It's just like, you gotta watch his shoulder movements, but the way he turns back and forth and the way they talk about the conflict he's under, that's when they set, set up, it's like, no, nah, he has a conflict. Then whenever you see that scene, he's looking to the left and to the right and he does the right thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know, man. We've probably got a few listeners now. There's probably a lot of people who've had a child or somebody just underneath them who've kind of just supported them or given them motivation. You know, maybe that's kind of what that scene is bringing out. Yeah. So your kids can bring out the best in you sometimes. Or Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, that no, all ties I, back, so I apologize. So that all ties back to Lucas bringing back actors. So just to bring it kind of like full circle. Oh, bring back yeah. David Prowse to continue to be the body of of Darth Vader, you know, because they, they tried his voice in the original star Wars and he just didn't have that, uh, that, uh, James Earl Jones voice. And he sounded just like a goofy Englishman, but not many, not many do have a James Earl Jones. No, no, it's silky, isn't it? But yeah, it's so good. Mufasa had, <laughs> Mufasa had a James Earl Jones voice. It's true. Mufasa yeah. did have a James Earl Jones voice. Simi. Had, had his dad had a uh, yeah. James Jones voice. <laughs> yeah, he, he's got the a great neighbor, voice. The, the neighbor in the Sandlot had a James Earl Jones voice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering at what point, when you're a voice actor, do you like get the confidence? Like, it, is it around 18? Everyone's like, dude, you, you sound really cool. <laughs> you know, but, it's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know because I mean, I don't have a James Earl Jones voice, but. Even shit, even when he wasn't that old, look at like, I don't know, maybe I have a different take, but like when he was younger and granted his voice is maybe just a little bit more raspy, but the young Kiefer Sutherland had a really good voice too. Always, just, yeah. yeah. It's not David Caruso soft. It's a little yeah. bit more raspy and harder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like he's been walking in the desert. He's drinking whiskey. <laughs> Thinking about giving a flower to a young Asian girl. (laughs) (laughs) Young Guns 2 for for the listeners. That's Young Guns 1. Oh, the Asian girl was Young Guns 1. Yeah. Sorry. And sorry um, if that offends anybody. I don't mean it in a bad way. I just. You're you're literally talking about a movie. It's okay. It's not offensive. You're you're using source material, you're not projecting your own. (laughs) Well, I want to say that was the information given to me by John Tonstall. <laughs> by uh, a Stamper, who was in the first uh, first Star Wars, Terrence Stamper. Terrence, uh, uh, Terrence Stamp, no ER. Stamp. Damn. Well, that's okay. That's okay. He he's he's a distant distant relative, I'm sure, in some capacity. Well, talk about the old country. What you drinking tonight, man? I had to I had to bring the hard stuff tonight just because of the fact that we are ending a trilogy, but also I've got a lot of emotions. You know, this I I grew up loving this movie and yeah, my adulthood has come and I don't necessarily appreciate it as much because of edits that have happened. So yeah, I'm doing a little scotch tonight. I decided that I'm gonna scotch it up tonight. So do you know? Were you trying to say you don't appreciate your adulthood? 
Because no, I don't appreciate I don't appreciate the, the film as much okay. in my adulthood as I did as a child. Where the Empire Strikes Back, it's the Empire Strikes. Whereas the Empire Strikes Back, I feel is timeless. It doesn't matter if you're a kid or an adult. There's a lot to unpack with that film. There's just a lot to un- it's it, it's it's perfect. It's a perfect film. We've talked about it before. I don't want to continue to go on and on and on yeah. about it but this movie is still a really good film but this movie would be a great film if they just would have left it alone and that's just my things that just frustrate me because of the fact that for the the casual fa- casual fan who may just turn it on for the first time they're gonna they're gonna have that musical number they're gonna hear darth vader go no Unnecessarily. You're, you're, a a, huge, you're a big fan of Blade Runner. Would you yeah. just appreciate it if Disney just would say, hey, watch any version you want? Like if they just allowed the viewer to watch the version they wanted to watch? That'd be great. Because they, I mean, I imagine they have the rights to, you know, they'd be like, hey, you watch it edited or unedited. Lord yeah. of the Rings has a very extended clip or non extended yeah. clip. Yeah. Yeah. No, and and that, that's perfect. That's perfect. But they're at at present time, at time of recording, at time of release, and until whenever, there is no way that any fan, unless you have either A, a VHS or a VCR rather, you know, the VHS version of it, or B, the illegal downloadable Harmy edit, which by the way is fantastic, but C, 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 C. You go down to Little Brothers on Rainy Street. They have all three copies unedited. On VHS. On VHS. Yeah. Uh, Just ask the bartender, please tip kindly. Service industry people have been working hard. Uh, But you could also do it that way as well. Just want to throw out a third option. Mm -hmm. It's just, yeah, unless you've got access to those avenues, all you get is the the 20 the it's no longer even the 1997 version because the 1997 version doesn't have anakin skywalker or rather they don't have hayden christensen as anakin at the very end it's the 2011 version that 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 lumped him in as the the force ghost version of anakin skywalker and that none of that makes sense because luke skywalker met his father and he was older so he might be looking like, well, who the hell is this 20-year-old kid? You know, like it 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 just it was just a way to include the prequel trilogy. Well, and it just to doesn't... play devil's advocate. Um I would I would argue that that would be a good uh redo of a scene because you're establishing the character you're about to, to put out there. Whereas whenever you think of the Java spouse and the people who are singing, that's a bad re-edit. Like that, that didn't need to be put in there. You're, you're posturing that putting Hayden Christensen was a good edit? When you already know that he is going to be the Anaheim Skywalker who's going to be portrayed in the first films, it, because it, it ends it. And with your, with your idea that it's the return of the Jedi, you're not seeing the corrupted version sith one you're seeing hayden christensen the jedi that that's the one that became the force being 
I, I, I guess the, the only problem, like I said, is that what we see now with Hayden Christensen as a forest ghost, that wasn't until 2011. They didn't, they didn't do that in 1997. They didn't do that in even 2004. That is something that they've done in the past 10 years. And it's like, well, we're, we're trying to remind people of that. Then why not do a younger Yoda or why not do a younger, why not do Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan? Why is now the Force Ghost version of Anakin, his young self, which by the way, was still corrupted. He was still corrupted young versus the actor, Sebastian Shaw. The original guy in the film who was, was Sebastian Shaw. Correct. Essentially four people have played Vader four, right? So you've got James Earl Jones. That's almost as me as Batman. I know. So James Earl Jones is the body. David Prowse, no, I'm sorry, James, yeah, James Earl Jones is the voice. David Prowse is the body. Sebastian Shaw was Darth Vader when he pulled his mask off in Return of the Jedi. And then obviously Hayden Christensen was Darth Vader in the prequels. So four people have played him. Harry Lloyd. Oh, good call. Good call. Yeah, Jake this, Lloyd. Sorry, thank you for correcting me. Yeah, but, Jake Lloyd. Yeah, so five. Yeah, was, five people have played. Almost as much as Batman. Almost as much as Batman, yeah. yeah. Uh, both of them are black suits and have capes. What kind of scotch? Capes. <laughs> what kind of scotch you drinking, man? I'll tell you mine if if you know one. I would it's, love to know. It's got a Glen Fittich. Ooh, Glen Fittich. Fittich single malt. The fifteen. Ooh, the fifteen is really good. I like the fifteen. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty so good. I'm, I'm also doing a Glen. I'm doing the Glen Alecky. Which is also up in Speyside where the Glenfiddich is. This one is so Glen Alecky is kind of like a smaller distillery. It's a a 10-year cask strength. So it is heavy on the uh on the alcohol. I think it's like 58%. It packs it packs a wallop. It packs a wallop. No. But it's good. It's good. But I wanted something that I'm like, I want something with a lot of alcohol. Cause I'm going to be talking about this movie for about 90 minutes or so. So I just wanted to make sure I have something that would last me that long. My thought process was one indoor reminds me a lot of Scotland. Mm. Uh, it's like, no, I want to do a whiskey, but then I felt justified because like, you know what? I started with the Guinness for the first film. Then I went to wine for the second one. It only makes sense to go with the nice scotch for the third one. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I've run out of ice, which sounds nice. You know, I'm going to go uh, just straight at this point. You're doing it neat. I love it. That's how I do it. I honestly, Is that, Yeah, I drink. I drink my scotch neat. I feel like that's got to be like, um, you got to kind of ease your way into doing it neat. Yeah, I think, I think you're probably right. You're probably right. So we've covered a little bit about this movie, but now I just want to be kind of like a little broad. I'm going to ask you some questions, not necessarily your pop quiz or anything, but this movie is pretty famous for some notorious like set scenes, right? We obviously had Jabba's Palace. We had the Sarlacc Pit. We had the 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 battle on Endor, right? So you had the Ewoks versus uh, versus those forest troopers. We had the final space battle. We have Luke versus Vader. Which, what is like your favorite set piece in this film? This is where I want to talk about like, where I think this thing, this movie actually kind of set a bar is 
I don't think there was a film before this that had three different battles going on simultaneously. It was interacting within them. Mm-hmm. So, like, to go back to Star Wars, you had a saber scene and a cool space battle scene. Go back to Empire Strikes Back, you get a cool land scene and a cool saber scene. This film, simultaneously, you get a space battle, you get a land battle, and you get a lightsaber scene. And so that's where I'm like, this that that set a bar. And, and it's also one of those things that like this is a culmination of a film, and what they did good is a trilogy. And it's you know, the story and the plot didn't do a good job, but like to be able to portray that, um that's that's one of the pros I'd put on it. That that's what I'm thinking about. That is that it's a it's action packed, it's an action movie, but I I want to just isolate the idea of like that had not been done that much in cinema. And now I think movies like Marvel put out do it all the time. Yeah, I don't I don't really have anything to to be contrary on that. It may have been done before. I'm not saying that this is the first time and I'm not saying it's not. But what I will say is that it is done very, very effectively to do to have a a space spaceship land battle going all going on simultaneously and to have a really good strong narrative focus on the stakes that are that are happening simultaneously we we've got our protagonists in each scene right so on endor we're rooting for han and leia on on the death star we're obviously rooting for luke and in the space battle we're rooting for the freaking millennium falcon you talk about stakes i think there's a great scene where han you know, before he flies off the indoor, looks at the Millennium Falcon, he says, I just get a feeling I'm never going to see it again. Mm-hmm. And that's a great scene. Yeah. You know, just like that little little snapshot. Yeah. Like that's a great scene. And, and that raises the stakes. Because then when you have Orlando's flying through it, um, for our children, they'll they'll have anticipation. We, we won't have anticipation anymore. But mm-hmm. for our children, they'll have anticipation that maybe the Millennium Falcon doesn't make it out, you know? Yeah. Hopefully it's scary enough, uh, yeah. but I, I appreciate that a little bit. So you would say if you had a favorite, it's the, just that final act where they're all going on simultaneously. Well, well maybe, and this is my head going off. Well, you know, here's the form of being pissed off that he didn't get killed off. <laughs> <laughs> Very much like a player who didn't get sold in a transfer window with a contract. But, uh, <laughs> that's a hurricane reference if anybody doesn't get it. But uh, look it up. But there's um, a part where Han's like, uh, when they're flying in an indoor, and he's like, I don't know, fly casual, but don't look like you're flying casual. <laughs> like, in a way, I feel like Harrison Ford, if he thought, like, he was like, okay, just kill me off, and they didn't kill him off. He's like, I gotta show up. I can see a guy being a disgruntled worker who's showing up to the job, who's a good, you know, good at his job, so he's doing a good job. I, I don't want to say he wasn't. I, I don't know any stories, but I just, I can see the guy just going to be like, you know what, I've been doing my way, you know? That's a good call out. It, it, it's interesting because I've read I've read a lot of uh, articles and stories where they they talk about the who certain characters were and the weight that they had. And so many of these stories I read basically go on of well, Harrison Ford, you know, uh, Han Solo was in a deep character. That's one thing that they that they talk about. Like on in, in the grand scheme of things, his his role was a little bit more superficial. Maybe maybe that's true. 
but if that's the truth, then that shows just how brilliant Harrison Ford really is as an actor. If he was able to do bring that bring that character to life in the way that he did with having less to essentially go with. His lines were the best, and they weren't necessarily just comic relief, even though some of the best lines are delivered by him. But he makes a half-witted, stuck-up, scruffy-looking nerf herder. You know, he 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 makes that he makes that person endearing and rootable and empathetic and a fun character, fun character to watch. And him him surviving is important. Him leading this rebellion on Endor is important, and it's a complete. 180 from where he was when we first met him you know now he's he's committed he's committed so when i when i hear when i read these things about like well he's not a deep character okay well there's there's no such things as uh uh what is it there's no such things as small characters only small actors right yeah he hansel is a perfect example of it harrison ford is han solo and he if he if han solo wasn't deep Harrison Ford is brilliant because of the fact of how incredible he made and how empathetic he made Han Solo as a character. And so I don't want to, obviously Harrison Ford is a superstar, but I I don't want to undersell just how incredible he really is. I, I mean, this movie put him on the global map now he may he may prefer indiana jones just because indiana jones might have been a deeper character but shit without han solo there would be no indiana jones there would be no blade runner i completely forgot his character's name but this is this is the movie i know he had done a couple roles but this is the film that launched him into super stardom for the next 40 some odd years you did american graffiti right <laughs> <laughs> he did he was in american graffiti uh, but i'm within Indiana Jones, of course, he, he's the feature guy. He's the Luke Skywalker in, right. in Indiana Jones. Talking about it, it's like he, it's almost like Matthew McConaughey in Days of Confused. This is like he was just so good of a character, you just had to write him into the sequel. Yeah. Now, Days of Confused hasn't had a sequel, but if they had one, I'd like to say Wooderson would be there. But I mean, every movie that Woody, uh, or rather, every movie that McConaughey has been in uh, since has been a sequel because he's he he's just that movie launched his career, and you watch that, and you're like, this dude is just so fucking cool. He's cool. He's cool, and you just love watching him and seeing what and he's going to do next. Right? Yep, and that's Han. That's Han. Yeah. Just yeah, man. I'm about my I'm about my ride. I got my girl, you know. Yeah. I got my money. I'm gonna have some good times. Yeah. It almost reminds me of a, a line in Braveheart where the old king tells uh Robert, you know, the young king, right? You're just like you you like uncompromising men, you know. But it's just the ability to compromise that makes you a king. You know, he's that high society guy. Mm-hmm. But Robert the Bruce wants to hang out with William Wallace. And William Wallace is more of a Wooderson or a Han Solo type, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a little different, man. A little more blue collar. Uh, we, I, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, just want to say the word Ewok at one point. I don't know if we've talked about the Ewoks yet. But just want to pay them due. Of course. Um, can we talk about Wicket? 
Can we talk about the fact that we're we're on the same page that, th- that those Ewoks definitely aid the stormtroopers, right? Like they destroyed them. They, they I mean they they killed them and then probably ate them. I th- I think yeah that <laughs> no I'm with you now. So the idea that at the end of the film they're having this big ass party and they're big just like barbecue. playing bongos and and those guys are playing drums with helmets. But they were cannibals. Yeah. We all knew that from the beginning of it. And, but you know what? It's fun to think, you know, to throw back to, you know, this is just off whim, but C3PO. He's like, it's against my programming, Luke. I can't tell these people I'm a god. He's like, just do it. Mm-hmm. And then he raises them up and uses the force. But it's like, you know, that's the thing where we realize these Ewoks are cannibals. They yeah. well they're well, they're not cannibals. Not, they don't eat sorry. themselves. No, no, no. They're they're carnivores. They're, they're carnivores. just carnivores. They're yeah. just carnivores. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Um, do you want to talk any about uh, shoot? I'm thinking Wicket. You want to talk some Wicket? I feel like we haven't talked about work work enough. Yeah, work Davis. Yeah. Yeah. Favorite movie of his? What Willow? Return of the Jedi? Cure Advantage. Of current, <laughs> I was trying to think. Do I like Willow more than Return of the Jedi? Probably, I do. Yeah. I do. You know, it, it's and, and it's interesting because of the fact that this movie, and not everything should be determined by critics. I mean, far from it, right? Critics are that's just their job. But this movie, critically, is a. a a success. I mean, I think it was like over 82 to 85% Rotten Tomatoes. So critics love it. Willow, if memory serves, might be in the 50s. This movie was, uh, Willow is not very well received when it came out at all. But again, critics aren't necessarily always right. And I think Willow is certainly flawed. But if you, if you're like pointing guns to my head, you know, you can only watch one Willow or Return of the Jedi. It's Willow. It's Willow. It's, yeah. It is Willow. It is Willow. Yeah, it has nothing absolutely. to do with the fact that Warwick Davis is no longer in a, a costume and is a few years older. I think it's a more enjoyable film. Yeah. Well, and when you have the ability to have a one-off film and it's directed by, you know, Howard and everything, but you tell a complete story. Mm-hmm. Return of the Jedi cannot tell a complete story. It's the finishing of a story. So it's right. kind of, you know, yeah. It's, yeah. it's excluded for the conversation, but if... If anybody out there hasn't watched Willow or also uh, there's a new documentary out on Prime about Val Kilmer called Val, mm. I would check out both of those. Speaking of that, Andrew, what have you watched lately? Oh, man, John, I could go on forever. I've seen a lot of good stuff. I mean, I really did enjoy Val, but the movie that has just kind of like shaken me to my core is the green Knight, which is a movie that I just saw, which it's a good movie. So good. So good. I, I don't have enough time in the day right now. Is there any, is there anything streaming you might recommend for somebody? You know, it, it, it's, it's really interesting that you bring that up because I love, I love streaming. I love a good streaming service. Sure. And right now we're in the luxury that there are so many going on. But John, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's actually a new little streaming service upstart uh, company. They're called Stream Lounge, and what's no. really cool about them is you can watch you can watch a movie with a friend. 
which is, and what I mean by that is you can be in your, in your home on your computer watching a movie and somebody could be in their home watching the same movie along with you. And you've got like a little chat bar. It's almost like a Zoom window like you and I are talking now. But what's yeah. really, really cool about it is other people can be watching the movie alongside all of you. So you can have like a virtual movie party. And it's a really, really cool concept. And I'm uh, not to like toot my own horn, but uh, I'm kind of like a featured broadcaster over there. I've uh, I've been chatting with the people over there. They've made me feel very, very welcome. It's an awesome community. But they already have a few good streaming services that they partnered with, like Disney Plus. They partnered with Netflix. They partnered with Shutter. They've partnered with a couple other ones, and there are a ton more on the way. So, so if you have these streaming sites, you can just log in and watch movies with your friends on live broadcasts. Or exactly, that's what exactly what you can do. And now you I could also a- probably watch the movies and broadcast yourself too. Yeah, you can do that. Can, it, you, set, can you set up your own account? You can. And what's really cool is it's totally free. It doesn't cost any money at all. The only thing that you have to have, the only requirements are you have to have the existing service that you're watching, right? So if I'm watching, for example, a movie on Netflix, if somebody wants to watch that movie with me, they also have to have Netflix. I can't watch the same Netflix on your account that you're watching because well, not with I, Netflix because you you can't watch the same thing simultaneously unless you're you've paid for that type of gotcha. service. Yeah. So yeah, but you, if have you to have pay your own for that kind of, But if you pay for that kind of service, then 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 you're then you're golden, and it's awesome. So that's what I, I really love about it. And and what's also really cool is if you miss it, if you miss it live, it records everything for you. So. Like, for example, I've done a couple recordings already. And if anybody wants to see what I've done, they can log into the Stream Lounge account and they can see, oh, Stamper Cinema did this. Let me hit that. And you can watch along just in a recorded version. So, you can, I mean, you, while you can't yeah, just like with YouTube, me, like, just, just like, like YouTube, YouTube. And, you can put like YouTube. In the co- and you can just post in the comments yep. and then you can read them and think yep. about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, awesome. that excites me, man. Yeah. I, I feel that might be really fun to do, I guess, next year. I don't know. We've been doing this this year. Maybe that would be fun to do next year. Yeah, I think it would. When I was growing up, I remember Blu-rays always had director commentary, and I was like, man, I'd rather listen to John Rode talk about this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's how I feel. <laughs> so you can do that. So please, if you're listening, obviously check it out, Stream Lounge. So you can find it at streamlounge.io. And uh, yeah, hop on there. So anyway, a five minute little sub rant to your question. But yeah, I've seen a lot of stuff. But right now, from a streaming perspective, I'm really jazzed about that. What about you? Is there anything that's on your mind? Well, the Woodstock documentary really brought me back Mm -hmm. to 1999, Mm -hmm. which, you know, 1999. Honestly, the new Suicide Squad I love. It is very artistic. It is uh, a miss up. You know, superhero movie and stuff like that, but it is fun. It's a fun ride. If anyone wants to let me know stuff, I'm a huge fan of history, but I'm only just now getting into Vikings. I've been watching Vikings. I'm in the fourth season. I've watched three in the past like two months. Okay. Like, you know, so Vikings is what I'm getting into now. Uh, but yeah, those are some of my, uh, a lot of uh, axes swinging in this direction. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. But, uh, 
Yeah, it's been, it's been a good time, man. Good. All right. So we are now in the final act of our own podcast. So I want to get into a couple things before we conclude for the evening. So I want to go over a few little stats on this movie. So we mentioned a little bit of the cast. So let's talk about the technical side. So the film, this film was directed by Richard Marquand, who had done a lot of stuff, a lot of television. He had done a few films, full disclosure, nothing that I had ever heard of. He passed um, away, right? He did. He did pass yeah, away. He's just a young guy. Mm-hmm. The only film that I know of in his, his CV and his resume was a movie that he did a couple of years after this. And it was a movie that had Jeff Bridges and Glenn Close. It was called Jacket Edge, which was an okay film. It wasn't bad, but <laughs> mostly, I think, mostly forgotten at this point. But Richard Marquand directed it, written by uh lawrence caston who uh, who wrote empire strikes back he wrote this one george lucas also has a credit so maybe george lucas wrote this one and caston was brought in to kind of like punch it up because although there are some good lines this one doesn't necessarily have that same type of emotional weight as empire strikes back so this one is a little bit more plot focused i think so i i, I think and I could be wrong, but my own, if I, if I know George Lucas writing, and at this point, I think I do, I think George Lucas wrote the screenplay, but Kazan was brought on to kind of like punch up and give you some of the good little banter and give a little bit more human pieces where George Lucas is really good at writing action. And I wouldn't be surprised if he wrote the essentially really roughly the, the entire like final act of the movie, the way that he kind of wanted to piece everything together. But whatever, that's just on my own hypothesis. I, well, hypotheses. My, my hypothesis is he just is like, this is where I want the f- film to start. This is where I want to end. We just need these characters to get it from here to there. We need these conflicts to happen. Now, you're the artist. Go direct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And But the writer has to also be a part of that, right? That's, that was Kasdan or yeah, Lawrence Kasdan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lawrence Kasdan has to write the script. So he's like, Hey, director, I have no idea this whereabouts of this guy passing away and whatnot. You know, maybe he was the best young director of his day, you know, maybe mm-hmm. he would have been. Uh, but, but ultimately, it's like, Go check out with him. Yep. I feel like by the third film, we got into a very business, um, you know, atmosphere. Sure, sure. I, I don't have anything else to add to that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. But we can agree the movie was a monumental success and it made a ton of money. I think it was like over $450 million in the well, box office to date. So let me ask you this question. I'm going to be an antagonist for a second. Okay. Impossible, so, but okay. Yeah, right. Um, so this movie is like, oh, it's so successful. Well, is the Marvel movies of Avengers Endgame, is that the best Marvel movie ever? Or is that just the culmination of an event? Like this film is really good. Or is it not really good? Or is it just the culmination of an event? Okay. So you're asking, if I understand you're asking, well, I think your first question is, do I think Endgame is the best Marvel film? I I think... What's what's in a uh, three act uh, multiple act film? Mm-hmm. What what is your favorite 
in in film, the one that booked it off, you know, like where in game would have been the culmination of the Marvel universe, where this would have been the in game of the trilogy of Star Wars. Do you have a favorite, a different film? You know, just the uh, that that's the idea. The best conclusion to a trilogy, maybe. Or just culmination of like an overall story. The best conclusion to a franchise. Okay. Um, Or or a trilogy. Well, well, no, it doesn't necessarily have to be a trilogy, but because of the fact that I think trilogy limits it. Like, I want to put Return of the Jedi. There will be another Avengers film, obviously. There was a a time when there was episode one, two, and three. Right. Four, five, and six. Versus, you know. Because what here's what I'm going to say, and I don't think I'm out of line here. So even though so a franchise can end, a series can end, and it can still continue, essentially, right? So, and what I mean by that is there's gonna be inevitably, there's gonna be another Avengers film five years, three years, whatever it is, but endgame is the end of that story, right? The end of that, that finite finite whatever. The end of this trilogy is Return of the Jedi. I mean, but yet Star Wars has continued. There have been three others. So you can still encompass one specific ideology. The reason why I'm bringing that into the fold is the best ending among any film franchise, as far as I'm concerned, is Toy Story 3. Toy Story 3 is the best ending to a franchise, even though there's now a Toy Story 4. But Toy Story 4 is different. It's no longer the Andy trilogy which is what the the first three toy story films were and as far as i'm concerned and there have been and i've I've really tried to figure it out like whoa was it the godfather is it the batman is it star wars is it this let's talk about trilogies 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 i love it you want to talk about trilogies what do you feel hey andrew let me ask you a question what are your top three favorite trilogies? Okay, top three favorite trilogies. See, this is where I get because again, I'm gonna say in no in no particular order. Okay, like mine so, are Dark Knight Rises trilogy, Batman. I mean, this one obviously, and after that, trilogies. Man, in some ways, I want to go with the Desperado, like the Antonio Banderas, mm. like La, uh, but um, man, the other, El Mariachi. Yeah, El Mariachi. Thank you. My third trilogy on this day is gonna be. Man, that's tough. I tell you what, I'm I'm gonna let you go, and then I'm gonna tell you my last one. Sure. But my my first two our Star Wars trilogy and the Batman uh, Christopher Nolan trilogy. Those are good. Those are good. I, I, I can't, I can't begrudge you for that. I am going to, I'm going with the, the Andy story towards uh, the, the Andy trilogy of toy story going with that. Is there anything more you like to say about that? I, I know we were talking about that earlier and I kind of got it, off. It, it so just, I just kind of, I was kind of curious not to give too much away, but a reason for me to watch because I've not watched the fourth film yet. Well, and the fourth one is good. It, it's different. It has nothing to do with Andy and it's a different, it, it, it's different. It's a different narrative entirely, but you can still continue on the franchise 
but it's a it's a new era just like the star wars franchise has continued i mean luke skywalker han solo princess leia they're all in it but it doesn't mean it doesn't take away from the original trilogy the original trilogy is the original trilogy the Andy trilogy is still very much a trilogy within that Toy Story, even though there is a fourth Toy Story. There could be a fifth Toy Story. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. You know what? I wouldn't be surprised at this point if Andy has his own Pixar film of what he was doing on the days he wasn't playing with I would Woody. love to see that movie. I would love to see Andy. <laughs> I'd love to see Andy growing up. I would love it. Yeah, it's like he was just at school that day. <laughs> no, not no, I would just love to see the new adventures of Andy. What is he doing? You know, uh, is he married? Does he have a kid? What is what, what is if the- Andy is the guy who owns the house with the balloons that flies off? What if that is Andy? If Andy is somehow uh Carl from up, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah Carl's his middle name, Andy Carl. <laughs> that would be mind blowing. But yeah, so that that trilogy I find to be perfect. I I'm gonna I'm gonna put Star Wars. I'm gonna put Star Wars in there as well. I don't have too much like the obvious one. I'm like, well, oh yeah, it's gotta be Batman. It has to be Batman. Because I mean they're all three of them, Batman, well, Batman, as you Lord, mentioned, Batman begins, I think a Dark lot Knight of time in trilogies, the third film fails. Mm-hmm. Now Apparently, Lord of the Rings did not fail because the third film won an Academy Award. It won now, all of them. Now, that was my least favorite film of the entire Lord of the Rings series. Isn't that interesting? Isn't it interesting? Because I, I, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna say Lord of the Rings is my other, my other favorite trilogy, and it doesn't matter if it's a theatrical or extended versions. Those movies, I. Man, I eat those up. I eat them up. I really do. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if if the the last one or the second one. I it, I enjoy I enjoy all of them. I know the first one. Yeah, the first one is my favorite. And um, that's the yeah, bell. That's the bell. They so the bell. We're going to transition into the final, final, final act. So, Johnny Bones, do you have your thinking cap on? Because it is time for your pop quiz. Oh, shit. Sure, I left it at home. But right. give it to me. Give it to right, me. Here we go. Question number one. Question number one. What are the name of the troopers on Endor that ride those speeder bikes? What are the name of those troopers? Speed troopers? Uh, I'll, I'll give it to you. They're called scout troopers or scout uh, troopers. <laughs> or bike scouts or imperial yeah. sharpshooters. Question number two. What does Jabba refer to Han as his favorite blank? Beast of art. I'll take it. Decoration. Decoration. Question number three. What is the name of Jabba's jester? Ben Foden. <laughs> Bib Fortuna. Ben Folds 5. Ben Folds 5. <laughs> She's a breaking, I'm drowning slowly. Because <laughs> I'm going nowhere. I mean, I want to take it. I want, I'm going to have to accept that answer, even though Bib Fortuna isn't the jester. Salicious Crumb is his little, his little like jester, the little, ah, ha, ha. but I will take Bib Fortuna and I will take Ben Folds five because I mean, 
I mean, if someone's just going to bust out brick in the middle of a podcast, then you got to give them credit. Well, I think also that court jester is a bad scene of how Return of the Jedi, even back in the old version, was getting commercial. Mm-hmm. You know, R2 would just zap. <laughs> so anyways. <laughs> question number four. Next, next question. Question number four. Lando allegedly got his promotion during the Battle of... Because he got he, Lando got promote, uh, promoted to was it commander or uh, I think it was commander general general got, yeah he got promoted to general Lando got his promotion to general during the battle of Tiav Tiav I, I think Tiav Tiav yeah to Nab to Nab yeah I think you said Tiav I'm, I'm gonna give, I'll, I'll give it to you, I'll give it to you <laughs> yeah, yeah it's close enough yeah, I yeah. Was, all right, final, final. Question. I got you general. Get, I knew yeah. he was a general. You, got, you, got general. you, didn't, yeah. you didn't even know I he was even, a general. I just, I just fucked up his rank. I, I yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, but like, I mean, they're all right. Like, you want to talk about the ranks and these guys flying in? Nah, we don't. We don't got the, time. The ranks for. are all over the place. They, yeah, they've got everybody. But anyway, question number five: What is the name of the Imperial shuttle <laughs> that Han and the gang use to access Endor? What is the name of the shuttle? I'll give you a clue. Three one three. I'll give you a clue. It is similar to the name of James Kirk's middle name. Tiberius. So close. Tiberium. Tiberium is the name of this shuttle. Question number five. All right, question number five. What is the name of the Imperial shuttle that Han and the gang use to access Endor? Tiberian. <laughs> I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. It is Tiderium. So close. So close. Johnny Bones. Thank you oh, for playing. <laughs> wow. Hey, thank you for having me. <laughs> it was a pleasure to be here. <laughs> what time is it there in Atlanta? It's, a, it's, a, it's just a little approaching uh, quarter till quarter after 11. Wow. It's getting close to midnight, huh? Yep, getting close. So, Johnny Jones, guess what? Our time is up for the evening. We're gonna we're gonna do a little final toast, and oh. to the listeners, Lancha, Lancha, to the listeners. Thank you very much, as always. Listening, subscribing, checking out all that fun stuff, and please continue to do so. Please rate all that fun stuff. Find us on. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. And now you can find me on Stream Lounge. I'll be there. John, I've had a good time tonight. How about you? I've had a great time. Yeah, man. Well. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Johnny Bones, always a pleasure. I'll see you next time. This has been fun. Yeah. And listeners, we'll see you next time. Later, everybody.